Welcome to The Leading Rain, a podcast that tackles issues in the horse industry. Each week, we deliver insights into how technology can improve horsemanship and equine education. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Leading Rain. Today, we have on some of my very favorite people, clients, and friends. Family, I guess, family more than friends. We are with Stephanie Dupsick and Zoe. Zoe's on too, right? Yep, she's here. Hi, everyone. Hi. Today, I thought it would be really fascinating, you know, something that we have been trying to do throughout the course of the podcast. And what we really want to do is really sharing some relatable stories. And even if it's not a subject that's always in like the highlight or the the highlight reel of people's lives or and so Steph, I think your perspective as a parent, it would be really interesting to just kind of hear your guys' journey because your mother, daughter, you guys have done this together. I've been a part of it for a long time, but obviously you guys have done it before I came into the picture as well. And so I'd love to just get a little bit of background. I know how maybe how you got into horses and then kind of how that looked like for Zoe initially. Okay, great. So I grew up an animal lover. So my whole life, I have loved any and all kinds of animals, including horses. When I was young, we had we had a pony. And then I also had a horse. And I did it, kind of anything and everything just to spend time around them and around other horses. We were very... Oh gosh, like there was no sophistication at all when I grew up with how we did, we did the horses. It was really kind of backyard and they were, you know, in the backyard and we rode them around and, you know, our shorts and our flip flops and no helmets as we did in the (laughs) seventies, but with, you know, kind of not a care in the world, but it was always just, you know, that was really it. So I had like zero exposure into the competitive part of horses. You got the, you got the crash course with Nita over there. I I did. (laughs) So when, when she was little, I actually took my son. She has an older brother, my son Cole to have a horseback to, to go have some riding lessons. And Zoe went with us. She was probably three at the time. And she was like, really clingy child and she <laughs> <laughs> really that's so surprising <laughs> so surprising gosh and so she didn't go anywhere with anybody she didn't even like her dad to hold her <laughs> <laughs> so we get there and you know Cole is out and he's having he's in the round pen and he's having his little you know walk around on the pony and she's like I want to do that And I'm like thinking to myself, oh, sure, you know, that would mean you'd have to be, you know, a couple feet away. (laughs) And and then she's like, no, I I, I really want to do this. And I said, okay, well, that means you have to go with Miss Vicky. And she said, okay. And that was it. Like from that moment on, the horses were a huge part of her life and really a huge part of our life. So tell me how you guys found Galley, because Galley was kind of the unicorn pony. I think everybody hopes and dreams to find a Galley for their kids. So, you know, how did how did you guys come across Galley and what was that process like for you? You know, not like obviously being kind of a parent, like having little horse exposure, but, you know, just going through that. So originally when she was riding with Vicky, who's still a very good friend of mine, 
we ended up purchasing this little pony from her named Ladybug. And she was, I don't know, maybe 12 hands or so. It was a small pony. And more on this later, but I always seem to to get animals that um, ultimately end up needing like a lot of expensive <laughs> <pet> care. <laughs> So Ladybug was our first one and she ended up, I won't go into it, with a colic that ended up being some things, theca cell tumors on her ovaries. And so we spent tons of money and had the surgery that she needed and, you know, brought her back and she, she never really came back to, to being rideable. And so Vicki decided we we decided that we would look for another pony and so we at the time there wasn't like a lot of lot of the platforms that there are now so this was what maybe 14 years ago or so and so one of the biggest ones was just like a local one here in northern california so we saw the ad for this little pony and vicky and i loaded up zoe and the horse trailer and we went down to look at it he was in modesto and he happened to be just like like you said like the wonder pony. So he was just amazing. You have to tell my favorite Zoe story with Galley cantering. Oh yes. So, <laughs> so at the time we went all in, like we built a barn, we built an arena. <laughs> I think probably going down to, to look at Galley was my first time driving a trailer. And so Vicky let me drive the trailer down there, but of course she didn't let me drive it back with Galley in it. <laughs> But so, so when we got Galley home, we would trailer him out and Vicky would give her lessons and that, that can be really hard to go four or five times a week. And so we ended up finding this really sweet kind of mobile trainer. Her name was Lauren and she would come to our house and give Zoe riding lessons. And she was, like I said, just very, very sweet, just darling. And one day she tells me that she, it was, it was actually really funny, but she says, I have the funniest story to tell you. And I'm thinking, Oh God, what is it? You know, <laughs> knowing, knowing Zoe, if, if you guys know her, I mean, she's just, she's the best kid, but she comes up with some really funny stuff, especially when she was little. And so Gally, she, Gally liked to canter and she liked to go fast on him and <laughs> she was never afraid because he just like he was meant to be hers he just loved her and she could say at any time in her little voice easy galley <laughs> and he would slow down and so all she wanted to do was canter and then lauren said that she told her that <laughs> well my mom's paying you for the lesson and i really want to canter some more today <laughs> And, uh, oh my God, we just died laughing. And I was just, and it was, I think it was probably pretty hot that day, you know? So I think Galley could only canter just like a couple of minutes, but yeah, that's one of our favorite Galley stories. It was so funny. So for, to, to build a little bit of context, you guys obviously keep your horses at home and you have, you kind of have two, you kind of have two properties really. Cause you have your house and then you have um, a small barn and small arena attached to your house. So it's right, right there on your property. And then it's really cool, like kind of, you know, overlapping corners, I guess. Right. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. There's a few houses between, but then there's the bigger barn that has seven, seven stalls. Yeah. Seven stalls in it and a few pastures on five acres with an outdoor, outdoor arena, a little indoor arena. So as Zoe got a little older, uh, obviously you guys had that other property and you brought in a trainer, you brought in Brittany who was amazing and really ran a program out of there, but also brought Zoe 
through, you know, to kind of her introduction to Galley, really to from her introduction to Galley, I mean, to competing and to her first, you know, few horses that she had, right, like kind of into the competitive competitive sector was there like a moment when you guys as a family like realized that zoe would potentially want to compete or like or did it kind of just happen by the way you know the people you were around and the instructors you had like was there ever a deliberate decision about that or not really i I think there probably kind of was we had originally taken galley to a couple of horse shows with with Brittany, and me not knowing anything about like the horse show world you know galley was he was a home pony. He was not really suited. He was terrified of adults and he just was not suited for the show world. So we took him to a couple of horse shows and it didn't, you know, it didn't, there were things that came up that didn't go very well. And so we were like, okay, well, if, if she wants to do this, we're going to have to get her a different pony. And then that's kind of when we realized, oh gosh, what we're getting into. That's where the dad talk comes in. (laughs) That is where the death. <laughs> yes, yeah. And you know, and he's like, well, wait a minute. How much is the yeah. <laughs> And you need it because why? Galley can't do it because of what? And <laughs> and then ultimately, really funny story about that too is it is he was at one of the shows with Galley. And I think Zoe had won the class or and she was getting her ribbon, but a lot of times they do really, you know, cute little gifts for the kids. And so this gift happened to be like a feed bucket with, you know, brushes and stuff like that in it. And so Teresa, who everybody up here knows and loves, that does all of the ribbons for our local horse shows, she comes walking over to give it to Zoe while she's on galley <laughs> and panics. And he's like, he's gone. So he's just like, all of a sudden him and Zoe are on the other side of the arena. <laughs> and she has tiny, I mean, she was probably five years old and she probably weighed 35 pounds. I mean, she was teensy when she was little. Oh my gosh. And, she was so little for so long. Yes. Really. Yeah. And so Joel happened to be there for that. And then that was when he was like, oh, okay, I guess we do need to buy, you know, an appropriate pony. Yeah. That was really what started it all off. That's really funny. I actually didn't know that. I'll have to haggle him about that later. That's really funny. So then as you got into showing, so Brittany was at your place for a while and then I was at your place for a while. I I moved home from New York and came in and we kind of, I was there for a few years and Zoe was still just on Clover. So Clover's like a little mini legend and she's been around forever. So she's like George Strait, she never retires. So she was on Clover, and I think you guys had only had Clover for a couple years at that point. One year, maybe two years? Yep. And then I was there, and then I ended up moving. Uh, what? I think I worked. I was at your place for four years, and three, three or four years. And yep. through that time, we had Clover, and then we had bought a younger horse for Zoe that we ended up selling because it wasn't going to be quite the right fit. And then we bought Selfie who's amazing. And we had selfie at home and then, yeah. And then I ended up, I ended up moving and actually, actually I think, but when we bought selfie, I had already moved. Yeah. And so that was a really interesting transition. And I think this is what I really want to get your perspective on because I think, Oh, I was listening to another podcast about riding and horses and trainers and how it's really one of the only sports that your geographical location can be so limiting and it can have a really big impact on your success or your failure rate. And, 
And it's really hard to make decisions because we're really influenced by the people that we're around, but it's a very robust industry with a lot of different types of people and not every trainer is fit for every client and vice versa. And so when you're in a more limited area, like Northern California, I mean, there's some stuff here, but there's not a ton. And especially when you have an interest to do things a little bit differently, like, I mean, we ride Western and you want to go to Buck Branham and clinics, but you also want to be able to ride with Jimmy Wofford. And there's not a lot of people that really can support that. There's really, I mean, not, not very many. And that's one thing that I am thankful every day for, for, for Brittany, because she does horses in a very similar manner to the Cornishes, to you guys. And she opened this whole world for us. Sometimes I think, gosh, if we had started somewhere else or with, you know, just a more, I call it a more traditional type program uh, on our jumper world, like it could have looked so differently. But, you know, one of the things that I'm the most thankful for is that Zoe got to learn the way that we do it. And like you said, it is a little bit different. It is a little bit alternative. And I think it's really apparent in your situation because there are some really big things that other people don't do. Like most programs don't ride their horses Western or do do groundwork or, you know, things like that. And I think that's a really big thing, but I think it is similar to a lot of people's situation because even though, I mean, I know that you have multiple friends that have experienced things in the same way. And even though they maybe don't ride their horses Western or do anything like that, there's still just some like fundamental differences that they have. And yet there's not a lot of options of places to go. And so for you guys, what that really looked like was, you know, there was a a lot of back and forth, but that was a lot of sacrifice on your side too, because, you know, and that was something where, you know, and I know we've had a lot of conversations about it is, really hard because it's really hard to get kind of every single thing that you would ever, ever want. So it's like, well, if, you know, you can have all the horses and go to all the horse shows and get to like spend all the time doing whatever clinics you want and, and having all of that. And so it's really the art of balance. So much balance, especially after oh. you moved. And I think also too, like thinking about Zoe, like from from a sacrifice perspective too because she wanted to do it differently and because she wanted to you know bring her horses along in a different way she has had to sacrifice and and actually I I I actually don't think it's a sacrifice I think it's a privilege that she's gotten to do it this way so you know maybe we should label it a little bit differently but like from a competitive perspective you know, she had, has, has seen, you know, her peers maybe move up faster than she has jump higher than she has. It's not because she can't do it or doesn't want to do it. It's just because she's chosen a different path with her horses. Right. And that's something I think that's, um, really hard to understand when you're young. And I think when you get older, you really come to appreciate it. Yeah. But when you're young, definitely it's super hard to kind of realize, the why behind it all the times. But I do think it's really fascinating because I do remember multiple occasions with Zoe that, you know, we would be like, okay, well, if you want to do this, then this is what you're not going to be able to do, you know? And there was always that like balance. And then she was like, oh, and if you say it like that, then no, I want to do the other thing. Yeah. And kids are so cute too, because like, I don't know. I remember a story I heard Rosie O'Donnell tell one time and she said like her kids thought like everybody's parent was on TV. Right. And so Zoe doing the horses like this, she thought everybody did it the way 
we did it. Like everybody did their halter work before they got on, even if they were at a horse show or even if they wrote English. And so that was really interesting watching her as she grew up realize that, oh, wait, I'm actually the different one. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm actually the one that does it a little different. Right. But from the kid's perspective, they think that's just, you know, that's just how everybody did it. Why wouldn't it be, right? Like, this yeah. I do it is how people in my barn do it. So it must yeah. be the way that it's done. <laughs> and me being responsible for them, like, I, I'm not an accomplished rider at all. I have my own horse and, you know, he's, we have fun. I have, I have him for fun. He's a giant pet and gosh, but I'm a research junkie. And well, you know, Allie, I ask a gazillion questions because I I always want to understand the whys and, you know, what happened and what happened before this happened and how, how do you fix it? And so I couldn't have imagined being responsible for keeping her safe on a horse at home without the things that you guys have taught us and, and that we've learned through the Buck Branham and clinics and, you know, that style of horsemanship. I think something too that, that you were really good about doing and that I think a lot of people probably need more support in doing is being really, really clear with your goals and priorities I think, at least in my experience, clients who came when I worked for, like when I worked for you at your place, and then currently, when I feel like a lot of frustration comes when there's kind of this false sense of reality, like what is or what could be, versus just a really real version of like, no, if like if this is what you can do, yeah. this is the reality of what that will result in. And I think being super clear about it, like I know for us, like when we go horse shopping, for example, for Zoe, like the most important thing is it has to live at home. So like at the end of the day, no matter what, it has to be of a, a mind, like a mental has to have that mentality where it can live at home and be a kid's horse because that is the priority and, you know, above all else. And I think that you guys have always been able to really stick with that. And you've been very fulfilled with your priorities in terms of like, yes, horse showing is really, really fun. Mm -hmm. But I think like the sweet spot and where you really get your satisfaction and fulfillment from or or for Zoe is at home. It's like being able to go say, I want to ride them, you know, eight in the morning before school or six in the morning before school or after school. And I want to handle them and I can walk them to the turnout, you know, myself or like those things make the biggest difference for you guys. But you're really true to that. You live it. You're, you're true to it. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that is one of our, one of the most important things. And we've been so fortunate. We've always been able to mount her like very appropriately because it's, you know, this can be a dangerous sport too. You know, I think mounting the kids appropriately is so, so, so important. It's one of the most important things to me. And with you guys helping us and Brittany helping us and Miss Vicky all those years ago, we've been very, very fortunate. But you're right. They have, they live at home. They, I mean, I have, we have two in our backyard that right now that come down to our driveway every day and (laughs) I have to be able to trust them. Yeah. And not that something can't happen, but you know, we go through and check all of the boxes to make them as, you know, as gentle and, you know, appropriate as we can. I heard somebody once say, I can't remember who it was, but they just said, there's so many things about this sport, like you're engaging in this sport with another living, breathing animal that 
you know, you can't just talk to like this. And there's so many things that we can't control, like that, that just aren't in our control. And it does make the sport very dangerous is why not do everything in your power to make sure the things that you can control you do. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. And we're like, and I always, well, the other thing is we don't sell our horses. And so (laughs) They're always forever horses. <laughs> we have forever horses. When we go buy horses, it's the first thing. I'm like, okay, it's a forever horse. So yeah. when we start negotiating, it will never be sold again. So keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah. So we have this like menagerie, of, you know, horses and I always make a deal with them. It's like you take care of her and, uh, and I'll take care of you. And I think they know that. I mean, that might sound a little kooky, but I do think that they know that. And I'm very, very picky about you know, making sure that their tack fits and making sure that they're comfortable. And, you know, cause it's, it's a lot to ask a horse. I, I don't think people realize what, how much it is to ask a horse to pack a kid around, especially jumping. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a big ask of an animal. I know that you have kind of been faced with some or put in some positions. We've, we've definitely tried to kind of like venture out. And because I live six and a half hours away, you know, really trying to like, have other people fill in a little bit and allow Zoe to go, you know, jump around or go, you know, just like try to, to, you don't have to drive to Oregon every week (laughs) because it's not that much of a reality. And so just generally speaking, not like any one instance or anything like this, but just kind of as a culmination over the years, like there you've definitely, as we all have been in situations that either make you uncomfortable, you don't agree with. And in those moments, would you say like, it's, I guess, how would you, how do you kind of find yourself working through, you know, some challenges like that? Like, what do you, I know for you, it's like always the horses are the priority and Zoe's safety is the priority. And so those are the two biggest things. And so if you want to talk just a little bit about that kind of how you guys have navigated some of that over the course of Zoe, you know, riding her riding career. We, like I said, we've been very fortunate with the horses that, that she has her horses. We've been very fortunate with, you know, the influences and and the, the, the people that have taught her you and, you know, Tina, your mom, Brittany, Vicky, you know, Buck, your Noah. We, we've also had some, you know, done a little bit of outside stuff. And it's really interesting because, when you do it in a more mainstream way, when you do horses in a more mainstream way than we do, um, it's, we, we tried it having a foot in both worlds. Ultimately we realized that we needed to be true to ourselves and that like, it, it just didn't work. Like we couldn't have, we couldn't be part in and part out, you know, part in this world and part in that world. And then, you know, it was really hard for me personally with the, with the horses too, because, you know, it, it, they're kind of like kids, you know, I wanted it to be consistent for them. So I'm just, so that, that was really hard. And, you know, just knowing where our, you know, what our, what our deal breakers are. And, right. and there were some deal breakers that yeah. we, you know, that, that we had to deal with. But I, you know, one thing is I never, 
I never really worried that much, I, you know, about, you always worry about your, your kid when they're on a 1200 pound animal, but Zoe has learned so much through, you know, her, her horsemanship and just the way that, that she's done it and her handling of her own horses that she's, I'm very confident for her to kind of keep herself out of trouble on a horse. So she's able to feel, you know, what's there and and what's not there and, you know, stay on this side of trouble. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point, actually, because I didn't think about it before. But when you just mentioned that, that I think as trainers, it's a generalization, obviously, not every trainer does this by any stretch. But I mean, I definitely rode with people growing up where they, you know, they really get after you if you kind of vocalize and there's a difference between, you know, being sassy and talking back and being disrespectful versus saying, Hey, I feel unsafe and I'm, I'm not going to do this. Like I'm, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel comfortable doing it. And I think that that's not normalized. So that's not normalized. (laughs) And neither is saying, I don't think that's the right thing for my horse. Right. Not normalized either. Right. And I think that that level of like advocating for safety, I mean, just the broad term would be safety and welfare. That is the responsibility of the trainer. And I definitely think that as a whole, we as trainers can do a lot better in terms of empowering the clients and the owners and the riders to be able to make some of those decisions. And I know that was something really important for me with teaching Zoe, because I mean, I you kind of took a little bit of a risk on me. Like I, you guys were my first, I mean, I was a professional since I came out of, you know, my junior years riding, but I had never run a barn. Like you guys were kind of the first, I'd always like ridden horses, but I professionally groomed and managed barns and was a rider for people, but I hadn't done my own barn until I came and worked for you. And the one thing that was so important that Brittany and Vicky had all laid the foundation for was just that Zoe had to, from a very young age, make decisions about her horses. I mean, obviously we were guiding her in the right way. We weren't going to let her make like wrong ones, but it was like, okay, well, how do you want to start today? And, and tell me why you want to start today. Or what do you think your horse should, you know, like, should they get a handwalk? Should they get a turnout? Should they get wrapped? Like just really involving and empowering like yeah. Zoe to be able to manage them. Cause we always said when she goes to college and at this point, you know, she was nine in, you know, nine years, yeah. like she has to be able, cause you know, she's probably going to want to, you know, be at a boarding facility. She's got to be able to manage her horses and be really confident. And you have to be confident sending her horses with her. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think that's well, something that we, as the kind of call it to like trainers can do a lot more of in terms of just empowering And not feeling like threatened by that, you know, like really empowering people to learn about it. And that's only going to result in more, you know, like a higher rate of like animal welfare and advocacy for all of that. And I think it's really important because it's not normalized. And I think I've seen amazing people who really do listen and, and create that space for people. I know many of them, but I also know many people who don't. Yeah. It's also like you have to, from a trainer's perspective, like... There were many times that you probably asked, I mean, she said it before, like, like Ali has told me, you know, go do this or gallop down to this or, you know, and maybe I'm like, I don't really want to do it, (laughs) but, but she's always known that you would keep her out of trouble or you would, you know what I mean? Like you, you, 
she trusted you for that. And I think that's something that's very important from a trainer's perspective, because she's also ridden in situations where she didn't feel like they could keep her out of trouble. And that is not a good feeling for a kid like her, who's, who's always had, had that relationship with her horse and, and with her trainer and, and trusted you. But I, I also think it's really interesting too, because I think there's a lot of people who don't know that what that 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 that's what they're feeling. Right. It's, it's really hard to articulate sometimes. Yeah, yeah, what you're what you're going through. But I think I think what is and I know what you've taken away from a lot of situations is like you come out the other side. So I think that for owners and for clients and for parents, parents specifically, because we're kind of doing the parent perspective on this episode, is ask the questions and talk to the vet and talk to the farrier and don't be afraid to educate yourself and and to do that. And I think that's, you know, if people don't want to bring you into that fold, then you should ask yourself the question of like, why, why is this information not being shared with me? Or why, why can't I learn about this? Like, no, maybe I don't ride horses, but I still can learn about it. And I can still know enough to make reasonable decisions or be a part of that support team for my horse and my kid or my spouse or whatever. Yep. And that was, that was one of the most shocking things to me from when I say that, you know, the outside perspective or the outside world (laughs) is that that is, I would say that's, that's an ex- the exception rather than the rule. Like, and I think we're just not involved. And- when also just following your gut, right? Like I think yeah. that don't be afraid to make mistakes and try new things because I think that whether it works out really well or it doesn't, you're going to be closer to what you want in the end because you're going to know, well, that was really great or that really wasn't great. But now I'm, a, you know, one step closer to kind of knowing exactly what I want to do, where I want to be yeah. or what my goals are or whatever. So I and think that's really good. Like- what you don't want helps you know what you do want. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. And I think just really following your gut, like if something doesn't sit with you and as a parent, and maybe you don't have all the answers, you know, you have that intuition, you know, your kid, you, you know, most people, most people, like you said, they might not know how to articulate it, but they can sense it. And if you're sensing it, then speak up and act on it because you won't regret that. Yeah. I read something once and it said the barn is like, it actually might've been another podcast. The barn is like one place that like adult professional adult women go and they leave their brains in the car when they, yeah. <laughs> when they got up. And so it was just like, it was really interesting. Yeah. Perspe- perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So just to, to finish this one up, to speak to, it was just what you're just saying about Zoe kind of, you know, cantering down to like a big jump or something and not being sure, but just trusting and doing it. So from your perspective, cause I'm going to ask Zoe the same exact thing. Tell the story about when I was teaching Zoe on Clover before her point 90 or whatever she was showing in at SAC International and you <laughs> direct the arena and had a total parent meltdown moment. I did have a meltdown and right. <laughs> and, right. So yeah. Oh my God. 
but it was so funny. So I'm going to have Zoe tell it from her perspective, but you have to tell it from yours. <laughs> oh my God. So, so her pony Clover, she showed her for six years. She started her in the cross rails and when she kind of accomplished everything that she, she needed to, Allie told Zoe, you can do whatever you want on Clover. And so Zoe trusted her so much. So she said she wanted to do jumpers and they went so fast, the two of them, and she had so much fun, but at her, it might've actually been her last show or close to her last show before Clover retired. And she's going in to do this point 90 jumper class and Clover's a pony. She's a pony. She's a pony. Yeah. <laughs> but the jumps are huge. So I look in the arena while Allie's warming up. I'm trying not to hover, you know, while they're warming up and I'm freaking out freaking out. So then I go outside. I just can't help myself. And I'm like, Allie, the jumps are too big. She can't do it. She's going to flip Clover over. She can't do it. You know, and if you can see the look on your face, you know, you're like, oh my God, get out of here. You're just like, you cannot come in here and do that. And ultimately, thank God they had set the jumps wrong. So they were too big. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, that's like the lie. I saw it even I was like, wow, they are, they are damn sure set in a stout point today. Like yeesh. And then I was like, but you know, like I, I knew, I knew if they had to, they could do it. But I was like, wow. And I was like, you know, but you have to show up. You gotta be like, you are, you got this though. You got this clover. Like you come running out. This is a horrible idea. Yeah. Not exactly the, the pep talk we need. And then thank God they did. They did lower them. They did lower them. Yeah. Not, not one of my friends moments. I think I've done that to you a few times, Allie. I think only. Uh, and I, yeah. and I do think that they've lowered them both. Times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they have. I think so. I don't also close with two other, for my part, two other things that, you know, earlier you said like we, well, we kind of took a risk on you because you hadn't, you know, done this before. We, I never thought that and the, there was no thought of risk on my part at all. And then, you know, just closing kind of on, you know, since you moved away, we always beg you to come back. Can you please yeah. come back? But I will say one of the nice things about you being there is like a couple of weeks out from the horse show, we yeah. drop the horses off with Allie and we'll count down sometimes like, okay, T minus seven. And then they're your problem we'll yeah. at the horse show. Oh my gosh. And then Zoe always leaves a request. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd really love it if you could do this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it when she does that. And it's usually random stuff. Like yeah. I can't remember what the last one was. I don't know. Something ridiculous. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's all, I think it's all really good. I think it's really important to talk about from, like you said, kind of the perspective of the parent and not always having all of the, the answers, but definitely knowing enough to know that, you know, when things are going well or not. And so I appreciate your, you know, being transparent with us and, you know, and just talking about it because I think it's an important message for people to hear. So we're, I'm excited to hear, I'm excited to hear Zoe's perspective. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for joining us this week on The Leading Rain. Make sure to visit our website, www.3rain.com and subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show, share with a friend. We'll see you soon and happy trails.